So if you have the love of aviation and you want to spread it amongst uh, youngsters and have new people come into aviation, I don't think there is a better place to start other than schools. You know, one person joins and all of a sudden you have a huge class. Welcome to Flying BC, a podcast about the people, planes and aviation adventures in British Columbia and Canada with your host, Warwick Patterson. Welcome back to Flying BC, and congratulations for making it to 2021. It's just another day on the calendar, but I hope everyone is feeling a little bit of positivity going into this year. Thank you to everyone who listened to the first 12 episodes over the last year, and the guests who joined me. I was really pleased to see that Tim Cole got a bunch of orders for his book after the last episode. So thank you to everyone who supported him too. Starting with this episode, you can count on there being a new Flying BC episode every two weeks on Tuesdays. Plus, I'll fill in some of those off weeks with more bonus episodes, extras, and YouTube videos. Patrons will receive a regular stream of exclusives, extended cuts, and early previews, plus a chance to get your questions in front of our guests. I just got some new Flying BC flight suit patches hot off the embroidery machines, and for a limited time I'll send one out to everyone who joins at any level. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash flyingbc. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com. It's really appreciated. But let's get into it. Many people start the year off with New Year's resolutions and good intentions for learning new things and accomplishing a list of goals. So I thought, why not start the year with some podcasts about learning, teaching, and how pilots can improve their game. I'm excited to bring you some really dedicated instructors and mentors who believe that a good pilot is always learning and growing. Whether you're just getting into aviation or have been here forever, I think you'll find something worthwhile in the coming weeks. My guest on today's show is Vignesh Raj Shekhar, and I apologize if I didn't get that quite right. You might have heard him last year on Ryan's Cardinal Aviation podcast, and I first took notice of Vignesh on the Facebook groups as he started posting some really thought-provoking questions about flight training and flying scenarios. I'm impressed with what he's accomplished already at a young age, and as you'll hear, he's not slowing down. He's a class one instructor, chief flight instructor at McMurray Aviation, founder of his own aviation consulting business, Blue Jay Aviation, and just recently co-founded a new flight school in Kamloops. I was particularly interested in the work he's been doing in the local schools to build awareness and interest in aviation. I think these sorts of efforts are really important to the future health of the industry, and aviation in general. But that's enough of me talking. Let's start the year off right with my chat with Vignesh. Well, thanks for joining me, Vignesh, on this uh, first episode of 2021. Like I do with most people, I wanted to dive into sort of your origin story a little more briefly, because if people want a really good um, in-depth story, you can check out Cardinal Aviation's audio briefings episode 51 where you kind of talk a little bit about how you came to canada and your path through but um yeah i guess what did where did you get your aviation spark and where did you get how did you get to where you are today sure well first of all happy new year to everyone and uh thanks Warwick again for having me on the show it's uh, such a pleasure so yeah i was uh, born in dubai and uh it was for my fifth birthday. My dad decided uh, because I usually 
watch outside in our balcony, just watching airplanes coming into Dubai International all the time. So my dad took me out to a local airport uh, where they used to have ultralights and Cessnas at the time. And uh, he just took me out for a discovery flight. And uh, since uh, five years old, that's always been my dream about, you know, flying an airplane. And uh, that is where we got started. After that, um, finished primary school and then went to India for high school. And uh, long story short, I came to Canada in 2014. And I came to Vancouver, BC, started my private training in Boundary Bay and uh, started flying around the area and I had about 15 hours and then I decided to move into the interior BC for various reasons. So we, I ended up finishing up my private, commercial and flight instructor rating uh, in Kamloops and uh, that was my first job at the same flight school and uh, yeah that is where I got started and about six months after working there, I came to Fort McMurray as a class four instructor. And uh, here I've been working as a class four and then worked my way up. And uh, now I'm a class one instructor. And uh, yeah, that's been a journey. So was your initial goal and dream job aviation sort of the airlines, like the tra traditional, like I'm gonna go work for the airlines and do that? Or, or did you always kind of have different jobs in mind? No, actually, until I came to Canada, I did not know a thing called general aviation existed. I've seen small airplanes fly. Uh, this is something a lot of people in North America don't realize, unless otherwise they go to other parts of the world, how much we are lucky to have general aviation around. So the answer is yes. Uh, like any other kid, I was like, oh, I wanted to go and fly for Emirates. That is my goal. And uh, that is the reason I came to Canada. But uh, coming here, it, perspective definitely changed and uh, got a lot more into general aviation. And um, there are a lot of people whom I should thank. So it's like starting from, you know, um, flight instructors. And I came across like I had uh, another instructor of mine who was for my commercial. He was a bush pilot and uh, also geo surveys. And he showed me pictures and stuff where he was flying like, you know, 30 feet off the ground for several surveys. That looked pretty cool. So I was like, hey, you know, should try somewhat, uh, you know, the other types of flying which Canada has to offer. And uh, that is when I decided I've never been outside of BC at that time. And uh, that is where I was like, I want to go and explore Alberta. And uh, that is where I came here. Cool. So um, did you go straight into instructing and that's what you've been doing? Or did you have other jobs as well that you did in aviation? Um, in aviation, well, mostly it was dispatch um, at, a, at the flight school. But aviation-wise, yeah, my first job was, uh, my first paid job was actually a flight instructor, yes, in Kamloops. And um, so getting into instructing was uh, something I actually never imagined myself. I was like, I don't have the patience for it. And uh, it is a couple of my flight instructors. Um, one of my flight instructors now, he's also my business partner, Praveen. And uh, Dan Nelson, which a lot of people in BC might know this name. Um, so he had over 20,000 plus hours and the guy's never flown a you know, commercial airline. So flying with him and, you know, seeing what all they had to offer, I was like, oh, I want to give this a try and uh, been a lover ever since. So in the world of aviation, you're pretty young. Um, I don't know how exactly old you are, but 
Um, I heard that you started your instructor rating, like I think when you were still a teenager, is that right? That is correct. Um, I got my instructor rating when I was 18. Wow. Okay. So you're, yeah, you're, you're pretty young. Um, and you've been doing a lot of work with McMurray Aviation, Keanu College, and I saw you did an introduction to aviation course that you created for the high school. So I'd like to get your perspective on sort of engaging young people in aviation and why that's important to you. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, kind of a little backstory, I think, is the first time I was in Canada, I was out in Boundary Bay. I got to meet a couple of people, and uh, I was invited to one of the pilot meetings at uh, the Delta Heritage Air Park. So I had no clue what a meeting is, and I went down and I saw, you know, some, you know, a lot of people sitting inside and they're having coffee, having these chats, and, uh, you know, and uh, some of their kids were outside and, you know, playing with the airplanes. And I was like, I wish I had that opportunity. So, coming into McMurray Aviation, it's opened up a lot of doors for me. Um, I was like, hey, you know, these are some of the ideas I have. You know, what do you think? And uh, I should thank Wade. Uh, he's uh, he's the owner of McMurray Aviation, Wade Kamerniski. And uh, he's been an instructor over 40 years. And uh, he's like, yeah, do whatever you can. So, the first thing was, yes, we set up uh, the high school program uh, with uh, the local cap. Holy Trinity Catholic High School. So we were approached and then we chatted. We were like, hey, how can we take aviation into the general population? You know, because uh, we think that aviation amongst youth is actually going lower. Uh, you know, supposed like the other side, other than air cadets, every time it's actually going lower. So we're like, hey, how can we get? And uh, I was just chatting with a couple of my students and uh, one of them was actually a high school teacher. It's like, hey, this sounds like a great idea. And uh, we approached the school and we were like, hey, you know, we want to teach. So we proposed a uh, two-part school. So it's like uh, between grade nine to 12. So kids from 9, 10, 11, 12 could take it. So the idea was that they'll have PPL ground school for the first year and along with some simulations. So we basically put the PPL flight syllabus into a simulator theory. So the high school actually spent a lot of money, roughly about $40,000 in upgrading their equipment to have simulators and um, allowed us to come over and teach and uh, we had great reception. And um, that was just pre-COVID. And uh, while that was happening, the school principal was like, hey, Vignesh, uh, I'd like to have a chat. And we're like, having a chat. They're like, they just pulled a list and they're like, these are how many students are willing to move to our school just to take this program, which is pretty cool for a lot of parents and kids. So that is kind of how it started. And the second area is kind of the commercial ground school. So basically at the end of the two years, we the person was able to perform, the students were able to perform all the PPL flight test exercises and they had the knowledge of a private pilot in theory and they were ready to attend their Transport Canada PPL exams. And college program has always been um, one of my pet peeves. It's I should say it's you know, I almost call it my baby. So 
one of the biggest ones was like uh, when I came to Canada, I tried with certain college programs. The biggest thing was like, hey, you need to have a PPL, you know, and uh, there are different criteria for you to enter. And it's, you know, a huge pool of applicants. Then they have to pull that from there. So we're like, okay. The first thing was our program we wanted a person should be able to join with zero experience. That is the first criteria. And also we were like, okay, how could we make the existing program at the high school work? So we are in the progress with uh, Alberta Advanced Education. So kids who are actually doing their ground school and the sim sessions that they're getting credit for graduation and they could actually transfer that credit over to the college so that they don't have to retake the ground school portion of it. So we opened two streams. One was the, we call it the airline operation stream. And the other one is uh, the Northern Aviation stream. So we're like, okay, how can we, you know, how can we differentiate from the existing programs? So the way we thought was, uh, you know, starting right from the PPL. So the airline operations, they basically, they go towards their commercial from zero experience along with the multi-rating and uh, they'll get trained on, you know, CRM, which is crew resource management, pilot decision making, and also two crew operations and multi-IFR, the same thing. And there are a lot of people who are like, the type of flying we do at McMurray Aviation, we promote bush flying, so we wanted to do something different. So we suggested having a tailwheel in there and a multi-rating and also a float plane rating or a seaplane rating. So that is what the program consists of. And uh, yeah, it's, it's had a huge response. So we just got approved August of this year and the intake was September. So it was like very tight deadline, but still we had about 13 applications and uh, we have a number of people who are come in and they finished their first semester. Wow. So if you're in grade nine or 10 and you're like, I want to be a pilot, there's suddenly this path now if you're at that school. Yeah, I think a lot of like guidance counselors don't even consider aviation as like a possible career path, right? It's so foreign to them. So that is true. And that is what I was coming to say. So what we did was the last year, um, actually this uh, graduation year, I reached out to ourselves, including McMurray Aviation. We reached out to almost uh, about 600 career counselors across Canada with all the school districts and stuff. And we we're like, hey, you know, there is a program. It's, and also there were a few schools who actually reached us. They're like, hey, we want to implement this program, would you mind sharing? Like, why reinvent the wheel? Here's the program, go ahead, and it has been approved. And uh, actually, a few f schools in Calgary and Edmonton have actually started doing it in Alberta. Oh, wow. That, that could make a huge change. Like that, having uh, that in schools, like, little bit by bit. <laughs> absolutely. As I think that, you know, it's like, hey, what is the difference between a pilot and an aviator? So if you have the love of aviation and you want to spread it amongst uh, youngsters and have new people come into aviation, I don't think there is a better place to start other than schools. And uh, they've got friends, they've got interests, and, you know, one person joins and all of a sudden you have a huge class. Yeah. Um, I certainly would have loved something like that, something practical and a little more hands-on than math or whatever but i guess when you're approaching schools um are you approaching sort of the science teachers and things like that saying hey this could connect with your stem classes 
And this is kind of a practical application of math and physics and things like that. So, yes, initially when we reached out, uh, it was kind of easier for us to do this because uh, the local school principal here, um, her husband is actually a pilot and uh, she's, yeah, they have a few people in aviation. So it was actually a pretty easy sell. But after that, uh, rather than just going to each schools, what we started doing was we actually started reaching out to districts. So because the school district, you know, they have a number of schools, it's an easier place to start. And uh, most of the times they have the funding available and they have a budget. They're like, hey, can you make it work within this much? We're like, sure, we can. You know, it's not about the money. It's, you know, of course, yes, money is what pays the bills. But, we, you know, like the saying goes, you know, we all love aviation that we would do it for free. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool. I think it's something that's needed for sure. Like that outreach into schools and just making people aware that aviation is a career choice. It is true. So you've got a lot of things going on. You're um, a class one, you're working on these school things. Um, you seem very entrepreneurial yourself. Um, have you kind of grown into that role, kind of taken on these, these ideas and running with them as you've journeyed through aviation or are you, um, is this something you've always been like? Actually, I think the biggest inspiration is actually McMurray Aviation uh, because I've seen a lot of pictures and like from, you know, the school's been there for 38 years now and Wade has been over an instructor for about 42 years now. So I just looked at it and we still have that airplane and uh, there is the McMurray Aviation actually started with 1172. And now we have five caravans, we have 206s, we have amphibs, we have a flight school, we have an auto Nemo. It was, you know, that was a huge inspiration. But uh, I think, you know, with uh, COVID happening, like uh, if I had imagined, hey, would I open a flight school? Yeah, we have talked about it, but, you know, we are like, ah, maybe not. But uh, COVID actually taught us a lot of things, and that is one of the biggest things. We were all at a point where, like, I don't know if we would have a job. So that is that is the biggest spark, I should say. So yeah, we, my friend and I, we were talking, and uh, 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 we have a few clientele in Alberta. So we we're like, hey, you know, how about let's do this? You know, let's do some freelancing and let's do some ground schools. You know, whatever we can in case if we lose our job. And at that point, actually, my friend got laid off from the airlines. So we both uh, we both got together and we were running some seminars. We were running some ground schools, and uh, we were flying with a lot of students. And uh, that is how Blue Jay Aviation got started. And uh, that started in like a five minute discussion. So we just talked about it. We went to the registry, and it was done. <laughs> and yeah, that is how Blue Jay started. And after that, um, you know, my friend was like, hey, you know, we've always talked about opening a flight school. How about actually let's do a flight school? And uh, we're like, I don't know if we want to do it in Alberta or not, but um, Kamloops, BC, it was kind of the place where I, you know, if you want to call it, that is kind of my hometown grew up, growing up in Canada. I spent most of my time there. So that was my go-to place. And we had, you know, every single opportunity right there. So the flying club actually welcomed us with open arms. So, yeah, we talked to the flying club and uh, 
we opened the flight school there as of first uh, of November, and um, we've been doing pretty well. And, uh, we have an ultralight and a fixed wing flight training unit, and uh, as far as I know, I think that is, if not the only flight school I know, which actually has an ultralight and the fixed wing portion of yeah. it. Yeah, it gives people options anyways, if they're not... Yeah, if they just want to get up in the air, then ultralight's a little cheaper, and yeah. Absolutely. It was like, uh, well, here's the way we were thinking about it, right? Uh, so we were like, hey, you know, of course, we want to go the recreational, private, commercial way, but also the question always comes that, you know, aviation is an expensive hobby, but how can we get people into aviation, you know, at lower pricing cost? And we just did the math. We're like... An ultralight, a person can learn to fly and get their permit for as low as roughly $3,000. So we're like, okay, let's maybe try that avenue. And it's been quite successful, I should say. Great. Run me through what it takes to start a flying school. Because you don't just go like, yeah, I'm going to register this business and start teaching people. (laughs) There's a system, isn't there? Sure, yes. Um, Like every other business, uh, yes, you start off by, hey, you don't make the decision. And most of the times you incorporate the business so you can incorporate it, you know, federally or provincially. That is where it starts. And after that, um, you can submit what is called the letter of intent to Transport Canada. So it's a form, basically it says that, hey, I want to start a flight school or there are other options like, you know, aerial surveys or, you know, aerial tours, air taxi, commuter, all that stuff. So basically you fill that form out and you send it to Transport Canada. And within roughly 30 to 60 days, they assign you an inspector. And by that time, you will have to have uh, what is called, you know, your flight training unit application and uh, there are some supporting documents which go along with it like you know you have to have your chief flight instructor ready you have to come up with your flight syllabus you have to come up with what are you going to be your solo cross-country routes you know and uh, what your airplane is airplane up to commercial standards and uh, what is your maintenance arrangement going to be and the biggest uh, paperwork wise it's uh, the maintenance control manual and the flight training unit operation side and that is pretty much it and it's it's not as hard as people think yeah okay but yeah lots of paperwork and planning and it's yeah it's, <laughs> right. it can be done in about 60 to 90 days if planned right so do you have a vision for your future in aviation in sort of 10 to 15 years are you going to be uh, still an instructor or do you want to do other things well, instructing is uh, like right now I still fly, you know, the charter operations. So we go into a lot of bush trips, um, you know, into like I've landed on, you know, clay, mud, grass, you know, uh, sand, ice. These are some things which I cannot really imagine just being on the instructing side. But uh, what it has done is it's basically opened my eyes and uh, basically bring those skills into the instructing side. So yes, I'll definitely be an instructor, but uh, I'd like to explore some other avenues, like um, you know, become a pilot examiner, for example. And ourselves, I see at least with uh, two or three flight schools, hopefully, and uh, with the university program, along with a few schools attached, and probably an air taxi or a commuter operation along with it as well. It's kind of a goal. Oh, you're going to be busy. 
<laughs> yeah. We'll try. Well, the cool thing is, yeah, the cool thing is now you can reach out to the schools in Kamloops too and kind of see if they are interested. And absolutely, yeah, we've already uh, we've already started the process, so we're just reaching out, and uh, you know, we hope we'll be successful. But COVID has just changed things quite a lot. Right. Yeah, it's quite the year to try and start a flying school. <laughs> It definitely is, but uh, you know, like all of us, like uh, of course, there's three of us who started the flying school. There's myself and uh, my other business partner, Praveen. He was my instructor back in Kamloops. He was a chief flight instructor at that time, and uh, another friend. He also he's my colleague here at McMurray Aviation. He's a pilot, but he's also been to school for AME apprenticeship. So all of us were like, if not now, then when? And <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the first, have you had much engagement yourself with the first students who've been going through the first semester? At uh, Kiana College? Yeah. And yeah. in the high school too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Actually, we did our second semester here at the high school because we started this in December of last year or January last year or I should say 2020. So we started there and then we ran until March and that's when exactly we were just about to finish and that's when COVID happened and schools in Alberta shut down. So I was actually there every single day. Like uh, this was like, you know, a two hour block every day, like one day sim, one day theory. And uh, yeah, we finished the first semester and uh, now the second semester, we just completed it actually about a week ago or a couple of weeks ago, I should say. Yeah, we just finished that. And uh, yeah, the students have been uh, quite happy. And actually a couple of students from the high school program have joined the Keanu program. And uh, they're finishing up their flight training at this time. I feel like aviation is one of those things that kids who want to apply themselves to something like that, it, it teaches them so many things like responsibility and um, just how to study and things like that. So it's, it's really interesting. It would be really interesting to see how those kids are um, adapting to that and learning and soaking it all up. Absolutely. I think uh, the other biggest factor was also we talked to the school board. We were like, hey, you know, uh, can we actually sponsor one student actually to get their PPL as a, you know, as a scholarship? They're like, um, yeah, our budget might allow it. And yeah, sure, we can look into that. And uh, we just said that to the students. And actually, that piqued a lot of interest because there were people who were in Eric Cadets or who have been in Eric Cadets who wanted to go and do the power or glider program and they weren't able to get in. They're like, you know, like right now you have 15 students and you could be one in 15 versus one in 500 at the Air Cadets. They're like, We'll try our heart, you know, we'll try our best. And uh, yeah, they're really trying and uh, we are hoping, you know, what we could do, what all we can do to bring more people into aviation. But uh, almost every single one of them have actually come out and uh, gone on a discovery flight along with their parents. And uh, they've been quite enjoying it. And uh, we hope they'll start a career in aviation. Do you you find most of them already had an interest in aviation before they started the class or is there some people who just came in going like this sounds cool i want to try it like uh like any other thing i think it's about like 30 percent who already had interests 50 percent not really 20 percent they're like 
I just took this class, you know, just for fun. So the 30% people, like, uh, it's been, like, mind-blowing. Like, uh, you know, I can fly an airplane, I can fly a few airplanes, but I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, that big into identifying airplanes. I, I cannot, you know. And uh, there is this kid, they're like, oh, that is this model. It is the Airbus 350-1000, and it's got this, 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 this. I'm like, okay. And... Um, you know, and uh, when he came for his discovery flight and his dad is like, yeah, I just uh, bought my son, you know, a flight simulator from Italy and uh, he's got a basement set up and he's like spent like $5,000 on a simulator setup. And I was like, okay. So there are a lot of people with hidden talents and, you know, hidden interests, but a lot of people have actually come out and uh, experience it, I should say. That's great. So I'm going to uh, sort of a, a question along those lines is what makes a good student? If you're, if you want to go learn to fly, what makes a good student in your opinion? I, the biggest thing is, uh, I think being prepared. A lot of people don't take it seriously, especially people just going for their private license. They're like, Hey, you know what? It's a hobby for me. I don't, you know, um, I don't have to be as prepared as a person going for their career. So the more they prepare, I think in the longer run, it's easier for them. And also this goes along with anything. It's the attitude as well. You know, hey, you know, come out with a fresh mind to learn and be ready to learn. And uh, that is one of the biggest things we are taught and we teach in instructor training as well. It is our job as an instructor at uh, some point we're also kind of acting as a psychologist or a psychiatrist we're trying to assess the student if they're actually ready to learn and ready to fly and you just ask like uh, if you noticed uh, you know if you just walk into the door and the student the instructor would be like hey how's it going how was your day you know uh, how are things you know anything exciting and that uh, those are some of the ways you get to know you know what kind of mood they are in so I would say biggest thing is yes, being prepared, and other thing is this goes along with again being prepared. It's you know go out and study or review, and um, you might have also heard this. It's couch flying. You know you have to imagine things, you have to visualize things. Um, so I think these things would actually help a student to learn really quick. Yeah, the cockpit is pretty much the worst environment to learn. So it's kind of like you got to prepare before you get in there, and then um, that's just proving that you learned what you're supposed to. <laughs> it sure is. That is that is definitely true. And then on the flip side, um, I, I feel like a lot of instructors are kind of just using it as a stepping stone to get to the airlines. They need their hours, whatever. But for those who really want to be good instructors, um, what what can they do to really step their game up? Well, this goes to the instructors as well. You know, first off, I think, uh, yes, it is definitely a stepping stone for a lot of people. But uh, there are actually a lot of people, airline captains, whom I know still maintain their instructor rating. Just, you know, that is something fun. Like, you know, there they have to, like, 400 feet, they have to engage the autopilot. And, you know, they come back and they'll have to disengage the autopilot at 200 feet. They cannot really deviate from what they do. Um, you know, and uh, I think... I've seen your podcast in your series and Kevin Maher 
or, you know, you know a lot of people who are airline people and they go in and, you know, they involve themselves in GA. So I think, yeah, the biggest thing is, again, uh, being prepared as an instructor as well, because they're usually once you've become slightly experienced, there comes a point that I don't really have to prepare for the student. I just know what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, they've done slow flights previously, so it's going to be stalls next. And uh, that's pretty much it. But, you know, every student learns different. So and uh, the other biggest thing is role playing. So I tell this to my all my instructor students. I'm like, put yourself as a, you know, as a two-hour pilot at that student's perspective, which a lot of people forget to do, especially once they become instructors. Instructors, they're like, hey, you know, they'd be on their first or second flight. They'd be like, yeah, use the rudders and this is adverse yaw. The aileron drag is going this way. And like, you know, like the student, I don't know if they really understand at that point. Just, you know, simplify it. Uh, so I think that would be the biggest thing I would say. Just simple terms, simplify it, and use a lot of visual aids. Just, you know, you can use a video, you can use a model airplane. That's always in my flight bag. You have to have a model airplane. That can do a lot of tricks <laughs> for you. <laughs> so I think those are the biggest things. Um, as far as an, as an instructor goes, is what's been sort of the biggest lesson in your journey as an instructor. You're now a class one. You've you've obviously taught a lot of students. Um, is there any sort of aha moments that you've had that you're like, oh, that's how we should teach that? Or um, <laughs> a lot of yeah. times, actually, uh, one of the biggest things is yes. Uh, what makes a good instructor? I should also add this to that list. Expect questions you would have never imagined. Like that is that is if I have le learned the biggest lesson, I think that is it. Like I don't know where the students could think. Like they can think outside the box. We would have never even thought about it. So that I think that is definitely a big factor. And going forward, I think uh, the personal relationships. You know, uh, once you get to know a student, it's almost like family. You know, I like I don't. Sometimes I actually don't miss family, my family, just because, you know, you get involved with a lot of people here and uh, they sort of become your family, which is kind of going away in the bigger flight schools. But uh, in the smaller flight schools or, you know, in the social setting, like the flying clubs areas, you can see a lot of people like interacting with all the time you meet for coffee and uh, things like that. But uh, as an instructor, I think that is the biggest thing I've seen um, amongst students and also other pilots. And uh, I also think that, um, you know, uh, this is something I've told all my students. I'm like, hey, you know, once you get your private license, it's a license to learn. Just don't stop flying. A lot of people just stop flying and a lot of instructors stop learning. You know, like um, I tell the instructors, I'm like, uh, all the instructors whom I know, I'm like, okay, you've done one year of instructing, go do something else, learn something, and come back. They're like, what can I do? Like, go do basic aerobatics, go do some tailwheel flying. You know, there are a lot of areas where you would have, have no experience in. So I think, you know, being going and being back a student, it makes you humble and it appreciates, you know, it makes you appreciate the learning. Yeah, it puts you back in that mindset of 
having to figure things out. <laughs> oh, definitely. I think you know. Uh, I think everybody sh- goes through that, and everybody should go through that, and um, that is what you know makes a better instructor, better pilot, better student. And uh, overall, maybe to finish this off, I should say is you should never be ashamed of saying I don't know. You know, as pilots, you know, a lot of us have different egos and they're like, you're just like, I cannot admit that I don't know. Like I can tell you right now, like uh, you can fly a tailwheel airplane yourself, but I can, I don't know if I'd be able to survive myself with a tailwheel airplane. I don't have the experience yet that I'm comfortable enough in a tailwheel airplane. It's just because I haven't really done that much. And those are some of the avenues I need to explore. Yeah. I was thinking about that with uh, even the high school. Like in high school, if the teacher goes, what's this? And you're like, I don't know. They're like, ah, you should know this. And so it's kind of like drummed into us from an early age that we should always know the answer. It's not okay to not know. But in aviation, there's too much to know. You're not going to know everything. So. No, it's uh, that is true. Like uh, Because especially this school, the first class I was teaching, that is the first high school I've ever stepped into in Canada or in North America for that factor. And where I come from, like high school, the scene is totally different. Like these are things I've seen in movies, you know, like I go, you know, all the students are with their phones and, you know, it's, it's colorful and everybody's having fun. Like it's, it was pretty nice. And the teacher himself, like, um, um, he got really involved. He's like, Hey, I'm a student. I'm also here to learn. And actually one of the students, uh, Actually, one of the teachers joined our class entirely for the two semesters. And uh, he's like, I want to go for my license. Awesome. Well, where can people find you online and um, reach out to you or find you on social media and things like that? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Blue J Aviation at YU Aviation. It is V-A-Y-U Aviation. And uh, you can find us on Facebook, the same names YU Aviation and uh, Blue J Aviation and um, you can visit our website and uh, you know I do a lot of uh, mentoring for students and also instructors and uh, you know if you've got any questions that you know if you're ever afraid to ask an instructor just shoot me a text always there you know if someone is coming into aviation and they listen to this and they can inspire just someone to come into aviation. I think that would be the happiest moment as an instructor. So thank you. Yeah, I think uh, every pilot, we, it's kind of our duty to like share it with people who might have that spark. So definitely yes. Thank you, Vignesh, for that chat. I'd love to hear from the listeners if you have any great ideas or ways to connect with young students. Or maybe you're involved in a program like this. I know there's a few of them out there. As a COPA and BCA GA director, I'm definitely curious in how we can encourage more of these sorts of programs. I'll also be circling back to guests on monthly Q&A sessions. So if you thought of a question you'd like to ask Vignesh, send me an email, podcast at flyingbc.com or message me on Instagram at flyingbritishcolumbia. I'd love to hear from you. And again, if you'd like to support the show, and get in on the free patch mailout and other perks, I'd love it if you checked out patreon.com slash flyingbc. Thanks for listening, and now you've got control.